Allow us to reintroduce ourselves. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Black Refresh 2020. I am your host, Todd Inman. And today we are very fortunate and blessed to have Dr. Walter E. Williams. He has been a professor of economics at George Mason University in Northern Virginia since 1980. Uh, From 1995 through 2001, he was a department chair. He's also the author of over 150 publications. Uh, He has authored 10 books, including his autobiography, Up From the Projects. Uh, In fact, a documentary called Suffer No Fools was based on his autobiography. He's made scores of TV and radio appearances, including being a substitute host for Rush Limbaugh. Good morning, Dr. Williams. Thanks for joining me. Good morning. So just getting right in, uh, being sensitive to your time, Dr. Williams, um, I just want to read the the definition of a libertarian. And if you could please let me know, um, you know, kind of where you stand on that. And am I correct that some variation of this definition um, supports your ideology? Um, Libertarians strongly oppose any government interference into their personal family and business decisions. Essentially, uh, they believe all Americans should be free to live their lives and pursue their interest as they see fit, as long as they do not harm anyone else. Um, So, Dr. Williams, how does that fit in or compare to your personal ideology? Well, that's that's probably it. Okay, very good. Very good. So, uh, and so just... um, I guess as an aside, uh, how long have you, I guess, supported that ideology? Oh boy, it's, it's been a while, uh, uh, I guess, uh, at, at least uh, 50 years or so. Okay, 50 years. And, yeah. okay, that, that's terrific. And, and so, uh, doc, Dr. Williams, as far as you know, learning a little bit about you uh, through my research, you were uh, raised in the Richard Allen Projects in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, That's you, right. you were raised by your mother. Yeah. Um, and, and in some of the uh, you know, content that I, I did take a look at, um, you speak about the importance of fathers. Um, and, and obviously, it, it appears that because you were raised by your mother, your father wasn't wasn't very involved. So so how would you... Well, my, 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 uh... Okay. Okay. Very good. So, you know, with, with actually, so your, your, your environment, or I guess you could say your story as a youngster, um, you know, when, when many people, uh, or many young men don't succeed when, um, they have that, that sort of family dynamic, what would you, I guess, how would you explain your success based on coming from that environment? Well, I, I guess, uh,
female-headed families, uh, female-headed uh, black families were were not that large back in the forties, uh, fifties, uh, and, and even earlier, uh, as they are today. So, uh, uh, you know, my my mother was she, she was a, she was a, a very demanding person, and uh, she had uh, many of the uh, uh, from, from her demands, I had many of the many of the benefits of uh, having a, a, a father. Okay. Yes, that's um, that, that's wonderful. So, and, and we'll come back to you know, I, I've of course read uh, some of your articles um, related to Black Fathers Matter. Uh, so we'll return to that. But one thing that struck me uh, again through my research was that uh, you said the Civil Rights Act of the '60s was a major error. Um, that's uh, obviously maybe not shared by by a lot of of African Americans. Um, what is your? How did you come to that conclusion? Well, I, I meant that uh, when I said that uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 should have said something like this, that the Constitution of the United States also uh, applies to every single American, regardless of the skin, skin color, as opposed to uh, uh, what we did get that led to uh, uh, racial quotas and, and all kinds of divisions in our country. That is, if the black black Americans at one time did not have the constitutional guarantees as everybody else. And I think that the in 1964 or whenever that the uh, that the Congress should have just said amended the uh, uh, should have just said the the Constitution of the United States also applies to black Americans. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and just just as an aside, uh, Dr. Williams, were you active as as doing any activism during the sixties? Uh, well, I, I was. I you know during the uh, I guess during the fifties. Well, when I was in the army, uh, and and uh, and maybe slightly before, uh, I was uh, fairly active uh, in terms of demanding uh, civil liberties. Uh, matter of fact, uh, if you look at my uh, autobiography, uh, I had a lot of problems in the Army because I was sent down uh, to Fort Stewart, Georgia, without a very good orientation on the Southern way of life. And I resisted the uh, Southern way of life. And, and uh, you know, it was my first time uh, in seeing uh, colored waiting rooms, uh, uh, white fountains, water fountains, and colored water fountains for the first time. And, of course, there was discrimination in Philadelphia, but we did not have the explicit forms of discrimination, as I saw in 1959 when I first went to uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. Okay. Uh, and and just uh, at, at that point um, in your development of an ideology, did, were you influenced through the libertarian move, movement at that time or, or not yet? No, no, I, no, I wasn't. Uh, I, I was more a follower of Malcolm X. I, I, I did not buy into the uh, into uh, what Martin Luther King was talking about, uh, but more a follower of uh, Malcolm X. Okay. Uh, and and so, well, just curious, uh, since you did bring that up, um, did you become Muslim? Were you considering that at, the, at all? Okay, uh, so so with that, um, what was it about? Um, I guess Malcolm X's message uh, versus Martin Luther King's. What what was it that that appealed? Well, I, to? I, didn't, I didn't buy into the turn the other cheek uh, 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 philosophy of uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, 
know, just uh, breaking the laws and and engaging in uh, in, in demonstrations and violence, even to get uh, our constitutional guarantees. Okay, uh, so since you brought that up, I was I was a bit of a radical. Okay, and I did, I did hear you say that in uh, in one of your videos there. Um, so you know that so you were that at that that t- tender age um as you developed you know your philosophy and ideology over like you said 50 years did that radical uh i guess um you know mindset did that continue at all or or no well the, the radical ideas uh, led led me more towards the, the libertarian point of view that is that is uh i believe that uh i should uh Nobody should interfere with me so long as I don't interfere with anybody else, and uh, uh, and uh, that I have uh, uh, certain rights as a human being, and, and uh, I'm not imposing uh, uh, any obligations on other people except that of uh, non-interference. Okay, uh, so Dr. Williams, with with the current uh, you know climate and movement with Black Lives Matter and, and the violence and and so forth, would that be consistent with the way you thought at that point? No, we we, we I, I don't think that uh, that that I would have ever thought of engaging in the kinds of actions that I've seen on television, you know, uh, looting and burning and and shooting people and things like this. Uh, so, so, so when you, you said a few minutes ago about about violence, did you mean a certain a different style or different kind? What, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, you know, you said a couple of minutes ago that you know you were more on the Malcolm X side of of belief, you know. Um, and so, what I'm asking, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if if someone touched me, I did not believe in turning the cheek. I meant to touch him back. Okay. Man. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That that clears that up. Okay, so th- thank you for that. Uh, so, so doc- Dr. Williams, m- making a little pivot here uh, again. Be sensitive to your time. Um, one of your mess- one of your messages in-, in one of your pieces, you talked about spiritual poverty. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, uh, there, uh, I meant that that there's uh, there, there's there's virtually no <clears throat> there's no virtually no. Uh, material poverty in the United States, uh, and there's no material poverty among blacks. Uh, <clears throat> um, if you if you look at poor blacks, you see they've got cell phones, uh, uh, a car, and uh, 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 washing machines, and and all these other kind of things that middle class people did not have in the sixties and seventies. But uh, so there's no material poverty, but there's poverty of the spirit. And when I mean when I say poverty of the spirit, I mean that people have become uh, they they become uh, dependent on uh, on other people. They uh, they have a, a, a engage in self destructive behavior, and, uh, and perhaps one of the uh, most self destructive behaviors is. Uh, the out of wedlock uh, birth rate among blacks, which is close to seventy five percent, and a lot of people will blame that on the legacy of slavery and discrimination. But that's nonsense because in nineteen thirty eight and nineteen forty, the illegitimacy rate among blacks was eleven percent, and that among whites was three percent. Uh, and then today, uh, among whites, it's uh, 
to, when I went to school in Philadelphia, uh, Benjamin Franklin High School, I went to, uh, Benjamin Franklin High School was the lowest ranking school at the time, it's in North Philadelphia. And uh, the only time we saw a policeman in school was during an assembly period where we had to listen to a boring lecture by Officer Friendly on safety. Now, Philadelphia school system hires 400 uh, policemen, uh, uh, students cursing and beating up teachers. Now, now, all those black people who are dead now, long gone, who fought hard and gave, and gave up blood, sweat, and tears uh, for blacks to be able to go to school, get into schools, uh, they must feel, if they were alive, they would feel a great sense of betrayal with the kind of things that black people are doing in schools today. Uh, in, just, uh, in Baltimore, for example, uh, uh, in, t- I think, 2015, 2016, uh, on an average of four teachers were assaulted uh, each day, each school day of the year. Now, the people who fought uh, went demonstrations in the, in the 40s and 50s where blacks have educational opportunities, uh, they sure, damn sure, were not looking for, uh, they were not looking for uh, blacks to get in school and behave the way that many blacks are behaving today. And, 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 and there's an effect of it. Uh, uh, in, again, in Baltimore, and it's the same in other cities, that uh, that in 13 of Baltimore's 39 high schools, not a single student tests proficient in math, and only 3 or 4% test proficient in, in English and reading. And for the whole city of Baltimore, only 15% test proficient in reading. And that's that's a hell of a way to start up in life. You're 18 years old. You can't read or write or add, and uh, that's a that's that's not a very good start in life. A- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so so with, with that, uh, <clears throat> obviously, uh, Dr. Williams, we're in and we are in an election year. Um, and one thing that I, I saw that you 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 had discussed, uh, you said you don't see much progress that blacks can make through the political arena. Uh, and you also said economic power is not born from political power. Uh, can you just kind of touch on that because it's uh, a very significant year? Well, if you look at uh, uh, if, if you look at the the cities in the, in our country where a large percentage of the black community are living under horrible conditions, uh, uh, such cities such as Detroit, Baltimore, Birmingham. Philadelphia, uh, Chicago, in those cities, uh, very often, a black is the mayor, chief of police, superintendent of schools, and and almost uh, for uh, more than a half century, the city's been run by Democrats. So if political power meant anything, then you expect to find that these, with these cities would be paradises instead of hellholes as they are. Nobody wants to. 
defend improper behavior by policemen, but the what police are doing is not the major problem that black people face. Okay. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, you know, you know, you, you mentioned about political power not being the answer. So, you know, what would you say are are things that would be it would make a su- substantial impact on the quality of life and the direction of uh, African Americans, specifically in in those cities you mentioned. Well, you you look you look at it, you, uh, one example of of the of the of the lack of a connection between political power and economic power is that if you take Asian Americans, you take Japanese, Japanese uh, have no political power even in the areas where they're the most numerous, such as uh, San Francisco or, or in California in general. And, but however, Japanese Americans are set at the very top on the, of the socioeconomic ladder in terms of uh, income, education, family stability, low crime rates, et cetera, et cetera. And so, uh, but on the other hand, down through the ages in our country, the Irish have had uh, considerable political power, uh, but they've been the slowest rising of any of the white ethnic groups. And so, uh, and then you, or you take Jews. Uh, Jews were had a hell of a lot of economic power before they got economic, before they had uh, political power. And I think that uh, the the uh, you know what 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 black people need to do is more black people need to do is to come early and stay late. But on the other hand, I would say something else that's that's often ignored when you look at black people in our country. Uh, and I've, I've said this a number of times in, in some of my publications that I've offered evidence for it, is that, <coughs> excuse me, that black Americans as a group have made the greatest gains over some of the highest hurdles in the shortest period of time than any other racial group in the history of mankind. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a, there, there's not problems along a, a major segment of the black community, but black people as a group have made major gains. Now, for example, uh, if you add up all the income that black Americans earn and thought of us as a separate nation with their own GDP, We'd be in the top 20 richest nations and well within the top 20 richest nations on the face of earth. Uh, it was a black American who was the head of the world's mightiest military. Uh, some black Americans are, are some of the world's wealthiest people. Many black Americans are the world's most famous people. And indeed, there was a black American who became president of the United States. Now, <clears throat> the significance of all this is that in 1865, at the end of the Civil War, neither a slave nor a slave owner would have believed that these kind of gains would have been possible in uh, in slightly over 100 years, 150 years. And as such, it speaks to the immoral and the, the intestinal fortitude of the people who made these kind of gains against awful odds in, in such a short period of time. And as well, it speaks of the greatness of a nation in which these gains were possible. That is, these gains that black Americans made could not, would have been impossible anywhere on the face of earth 
except that of the United States. Now, now the question that's before us is how can these gains be extended to a large segment, maybe 25% of the black community, for whom they've been uh, uh, elusive for uh, for quite a while, and and one of these that one of the ways that we can extend uh, these uh, gains is just to uh, stop doing what we have been doing. That is, uh, making it easy for people to live slovenly lives. Okay, and and you know you you do you have spoken a lot about um, I guess the the welfare state that was developed, um, and so are you I guess uh, I guess linking that to to what you just said about the slovenly lives. Yes, yeah, that, that is. As any economist, whether he's a liberal or a conservative, and if you say, and he'll tell you that if you tax something, you're going to get less of it, and if you subsidize something, you're going to get more of it. And what we've been doing is subsidizing slovenly behavior. We've been making it so that a a uh, a girl can live a reasonably well. Without uh, you know, and have a and raise a, and have a family without a man present. We made it easy for men just to abandon their families because the the family will just uh, get get you know get get welfare, and and that's not that's not a very good uh, set of incentives to uh, provide people, and uh, and 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 what the and the welfare state as as I point out. In many of my publications and with evidence, the welfare state has done to black Americans what slavery could not have done, the racist, harshest Jim Crow and racism could not have done, namely destroy the black family. That is, it turns out that uh, Herbert Gutman, he's uh, done research on this area on black families, and uh, he points out that more black kids lived in biological mother and father households during slavery than live now with uh, a mother and father in the household. And, and, and in 1925 in New York, uh, uh, 85% of black kids live in two-parent families. Today, uh, roughly around a third live in two-parent families. So you have to say, well, what in the hell happened between 1880 and uh, where black families were just like white families intact, uh, and, and and later periods up until 1960, what in the world happened? Mm. I mean, you can't. You, and a lot of people want to want to blame it on the legacy of slavery, discrimination, racism. Well, uh, you say, well, well, if if racism and slavery and discrimination is the cause. How come it was not much worse when blacks were far closer to slavery? That is in the 1880s or 1925. How come it was not worse? And so the point, the point, uh, Todd, is that look, if if I'm a doctor, if you come, if you come to me, and you have a pain in your stomach, and I say, well, it's caused by your ingrown toenails. Well. If your ingrown toenails don't have anything to do with the pain in your stomach, I can treat your ingrown toenails all I want, but you're still going to have the pain in the stomach. Mm. That is, and I'm saying that if we keep on saying, well, slavery, discrimination explains what we see today, we can try to march 
says, we, we met the enemy and it's us. That is, you have to ask the question, who is responsible for uh, just things like black kids not, not learning in school? Or, or, or who is responsible for black kids beating up teachers? Who's responsible for, in, last week in Chicago, 104 people being shot and 14 dead? Who is responsible for it? Now, if you say, oh, well, it's white people, it's slavery, we can do all you want. You can talk to white people all you want, but the murder is going to continue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, 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 Dr. Williams, you, you know, with that being said, you, you know, you say that the responsibility, um, you know, to, to correct those things are fall on 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 black people. And like you, uh, you mentioned the welfare state, but you think that's maybe the impetus of it. But the responsibility to to restore things falls on black people. in our neighborhoods, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, just one thing, you know, the, the, the murder, the mayhem uh, the, uh, committed by blacks where uh, mothers mothers are, are served in some neighborhoods in some days serving the children on the floor so they won't get hit by straight bullets. Don't let them sit out on the porch because they're afraid to drive by and all this kind of stuff. Well, yeah, it's, that's 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 black people have to take care of that. Now, now white people, uh, you know, even if the if the mayor is white, he and he or, or or black, he wants to do something about it. Well, he's not going to do anything about it because he's going to run into a whole other flag. He's going to be called racist and stuff like this. So that, what that means is that black people in the community they're going to have to do it. You know, one one example, and I believe it was either Detroit. Detroit or Camden, New Jersey. On Halloween, they used to have Devil's Night, where they, where, where uh, people set uh, buildings on fire, set apartment buildings on fire, and all this kind of stuff. And black, and, and the police weren't doing very much. And so, black people, one, one, one year, black people went out there. They had guns and bats and stuff like this. And they said that anybody starting the fire, they're gonna beat the hell out of them. And so it, it turned out that the devil's night disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah. So uh, again, you know, what I'm saying so. So now, just you know, we, we see you know through your uh, through your verbiage about the responsibility, you know, based on you know black people uh, correcting their own problems. So as far as uh, uh, discrimination, does that? play a role at all or well you know it, it, the kind of discrimination that exists today uh, uh, it just does not explain very much and I'm not saying it does not play any role but that's not the major problem I mean the I mean you you didn't I mean I want somebody to tell me how discrimination plays a role in the breakdown of the black family mm-hmm. how discrimination plays or racial discrimination plays a role in in all the murder that you see in, in, in Baltimore, Philadelphia, Chicago, and and if you say it's discrimination, well, you're gonna keep, you're gonna keep on saying the murders because that's that's not the cause of the problem. This discrimination, and so I'm, I'm the last one to say that every single message of discrimination has been eliminated. But the uh, but but however, but discrimination does not begin to explain 
the major problems that black Americans face. Mm-hmm. So, 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 Dr. Williams, as far as the uh, what this generation can do, because obviously we we both agree that this is going to be a a, uh, a you know this will require a, a full effort uh, on behalf of Black people, and that it, it will take several generations for um, corrective measures to get us to, to where we need to be. But if, if you had, a, I guess, a advisement about this generation, especially with maybe men who are fathers who are active, you know, what, what would you see about correcting some corrective measures that could be done? Mm. Now, now it, it seems to me that you want to encourage more of this, 
these kind of opportunities for uh, uh, rather than to discourage it. <laughs> or what a lot of black leaders are saying, they're saying, well, you know, we don't, we don't want to destroy the public school system. They, and, and so in a sense, they're saying that, uh, in a sense, their argument does not differ from one that says no black kids should be educated to all black kids should be educated. But however, it turns out that public school teachers in Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, uh, and other cities, they have a great, greater percentage of their kids are in non-public schools, uh, parochial schools and private schools. Politicians in Washington, D.C., that uh, in the Congress, uh, they would never send their kids to the horrible schools in Washington, D.C. What they send their kids, where they send their kids, are to the private elite schools. Because, and, and I don't blame them. I mean, I, I, I would I want to send my kid to school where he's going to be beat up, raped, or, and, uh, or shot, or knives, or stuff like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, so, so anyway, I, you know, I, I have time for one more question. Uh, okay, this is a, a two-part just related to, uh, you know, again, this, this forthcoming election. Um, you know, you know, you had mentioned uh, in, in one of your videos, the Reason TV video, that um, during uh, President Barack Obama's first term that you felt like he, he didn't do a good job. Um, now, of course, he's done his presidency. Did, did, your, uh, vis- or not, did your analysis change or do you still feel the exact same way? Okay. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, if, you, if you look at the problems that black people face, uh, the problems are just as prevalent now I mean, uh, as they were with before Barack Obama took office. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so, again, it's the whole notion I mentioned earlier that political power does not translate very easily into uh, uh, economic power uh, for a people. I mean, it, it means... A political power, but the, the fact that Barack Obama was the president, it meant it meant a whole lot to uh, the upper class blacks. I mean, blacks who had, had a college education, that were connected, and they got all kinds of jobs, they got, got all kinds of grants and things like this. But the, in the neighborhoods, uh, the poor black neighborhoods, it didn't mean very much. Right. Okay. I mean, at, 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 you know, like my. My, one of my nieces, she was campaigning heavily for Barack Obama, and she lived near Broad and Airy. And I, I asked her, I said, now, what, what do you, even before she, uh, he became president, what do you think that's going to, what impact do you think that's going to have in Broad and Airy, where, where people are hanging on corners, intimidating people and stuff like this? And she thought it would, it would do something, but still, you know, she still lives in the same neighborhood, and she still scared to walk home from the, from the, from the Broad and Airy uh, uh, train station. Gotcha. And the second part of that, which is my closing question. So, you know, we just to be fair, so we talked about President Obama. What's your view on, on President Trump's efforts? salvation through the political arena. That is, I think that if you look at things like, I don't know whether we want to attribute attribute all of it to to a president, but uh, the the unemployment rate among blacks uh, before this uh, meltdown, a pandemic was uh, lowest in in our history. And and that's something that that, needs to be encouraged. I mean, black teenagers 
a multiple of whites, but it went down significantly. And it, and it went down because of, not because of any policies that Trump had towards blacks, but simply because of deregulation and the, and, and the, and the tax cuts that he encouraged. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that is, if you, do, if you do something that will benefit all Americans, then surely blacks are part of Americans that they will benefit. You don't have to have any particular policy aimed specifically towards blacks. Let me just give you one example because I did a whole lot of study of it. Is that take a, take, take a, in 1926 or 1920, a poor, illiterate Italian, he could go out and buy a used car and work, write the word taxi on it. And he was in business. Mm-hmm. Providing an income for his family. Today, in New York City, if one wanted to get into the taxi business, it's changed some today because of Uber and Lyft. But let's say 10 years ago, if one wanted to get in the taxi business, he would have to go out and buy a license, a, they call it medallion in New York, for $700,000. Now, who does that uh, impose a hardship? It imposes a hardship on anybody who does not have $700,000 laying around or can't get bank credit to get a loan for $700,000. So if you get rid of the licensing, you don't have to have any particular uh, racial policy. If you say, we're going to get rid of the licensing, occupational licensing of tax give, you open opportunities for, for, for everybody. Right. So you, you don't have to make you don't have to make a explicit uh, black program. You just say, well, we're gonna we're gonna have more freedom to get in business. Mm-hmm. And so if you provide more PT one more freedom to get in business, they'll get in business. And you see, a lot of Uber drivers and Lyft drivers are, are, are black people. Yes, yes. And so so the point is is that that uh, public policy. I mean, my idea has always been public policy should not be directed towards any particular racial group. It should be directed towards making, it should be directed towards human beings. Mm -hmm. That is, making it possible for a human being who wants to work to be able to work. Yes. Or, Or make it possible for a human being who wants to get into business can get into business. That is, free up the economic system. Mm hmm. Yes. So, you know, I would just say, you know, back to your point about the, you know, Trump and the employment gains for blacks, you know, they've largely been erased, you know, due to his poor leadership about the pandemic. Uh, would you? Oh, would you yes, yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it, it, anyway, do, uh, Dr. Williams, of course, I again, I don't want to, you know, take up more of your time. I, I really appreciate I really appreciate you, you joining me. And uh, it's been very insightful. Uh, it's been educational for me as well. And, um, you know, you continue to uh, to be safe and in good health. Okay. Hey, give mom my regards. Uh, absolutely. T- take care, Dr. Uh, Williams. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.